are not in our study of James this morning. The reason for that is because uh, it can be a little challenging sometimes to be prepared to preach whenever you get back from some time off. And uh, a few weeks ago, I was in my Bible reading, and I was in Second Timothy, and I came across the passage that we're going to be looking at today. And it jumped off the page at me. It's something like I've said before. I've never really given it much thought. I'd never given it much attention. And it spoke to me in such a way that I visited with Susie about it for a little bit. And I said, I'm going to look at this, I think, at some point and see if it will preach. And Susie said, well, I think it will. And so uh, not only do I have some leadership from the Holy Spirit in this, I've got confirmation from Susie that this is supposed to preach anyways. And so Susie is partly responsible for why we're here as well. So we'll, we'll either give her some credit or some blame at the end of this as to how it goes. But uh, over the years, you have heard me mention how you and I have a tendency to forget things. Uh, it could be any number of things that we have a tendency to forget. And so over the years, I've talked about how we make ourselves reminders of different sorts, things that we do to help ourselves remember uh, what it is we need to get done. And I've mentioned of myself and of Susie, and probably some of you know what I'm talking about, but one of the reminders that we like to use in our house is just that little reminder that you can set on your phone, uh, the day that you need to be reminded, the time that you need to be reminded, and what it is that you need to be reminded of. And here's what you know uh, if your phone is anything like our phones at our house, is whenever the reminder comes, it's usually pretty gentle and, and kind to us in the reminder, right? Uh, we have ours set up, uh, at least I have my phone set up, where whenever it's time for me to remind it of something, it just does this little ding, this little chirp, and it's, it's just that sound that I know, check the phone and see what it is I'm supposed to be doing or, or what it is that I need to be mindful of. I am thankful that my phone never says, hey, stupid, don't forget. You know, because it wouldn't be very polite, right? Like, you know, the phone just said, hey, dummy, don't forget what you would normally otherwise forget. I'm thankful that it's kind. I'm thankful that it's gentle. I'm thankful that it doesn't try to shame me or embarrass me. It just says, hey, here's the reminder that you need. Don't forget about this. Now, I say that for this reason. I think sometimes in our Christian life, and I know some people would disagree with me on this, but I think sometimes in our Christian life we do need to be embarrassed. Wouldn't you agree? Sometimes because of our course of action, because of how we're behaving, I think sometimes we need to be embarrassed by what we've done because we ought to see the, the weightiness of it. I think sometimes we need to be embarrassed. I think sometimes we need to be ashamed of ourselves. We've done something that we know is not right. We know we, we've done something that we ought not be doing. And, and sometimes I think we need to be ashamed that, that, that we actually let that be a part of our lives. And so while there is a place maybe for some shame and some embarrassment at times in our Christian lives, sometimes we do just need gentle reminders, don't we? We don't need to feel embarrassed. We don't need to be ashamed. We don't need to be humiliated. The work of the Holy Spirit has already done that in our lives. And I say that for this reason. The hope of this message is not to shame anyone. It's not to embarrass anyone. It's not to make anybody leave here this morning thinking, oh, good grief, I'm never going to measure up in the Christian life. I just want this to be a reminder to you and I as to what a part of the Christian life ought to look like because we can forget this part of the Christian life. We can get so wrapped up in so many different things that we can forget this portion of the Christian life. And so please know that at the conclusion of this sermon, it's not my intention, it's not my desire or my hope that anyone would leave feeling 
humiliated or, or embarrassed, I just want us to think about it and say, you know, is there room for improvement? If so, then that's what I want to do. So that in mind, Second Timothy, where we're going to be this morning, I want us to, to share with you some things that you may or may, or may or may not already know, but scholars tell us that this is the last letter that Paul penned to anyone that we have preserved for us. And, and this is a letter written from the Apostle Paul to young Timothy, who was his understudy, who some might refer to as one of Paul's preacher boys. Uh, but this is someone that Paul had a great affection for, had a great love for, and was very interested in his life and his well-being. Most of us know that to be the case. And so here's the Apostle Paul writing what would be his final words, best we can tell, to young Timothy, and here is what Paul is going to try to do. He is going to try to encourage Timothy to just stay strong and to just stay faithful and to just stick with it, to not give up in the work of the Lord. And, and I think if you, you've been around this, I think that most of you know this, that whenever you are hearing the final words or what you believe could be the final words of, an, of a person, especially someone that you care about, you take very serious what it is they are saying and what it is they're trying to convey. Have you ever been in a situation like that? I was thinking of myself as I was preparing this a little over a week ago. Over the years, I have made hundreds and hundreds of visits to people in so many different settings under so many different situations, and yet I have had several visits where I knew in my heart and my mind this could be the last time I ever visit with this person. And whenever you realize this could be the final visit that you ever have with this person, you have a tendency to give greater attention to what it is they are saying. And so here's the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy. And Timothy would have known a little bit of what was going on in Paul's life. And I just have to believe that as Timothy read these words, these were amazingly special words to him. These are words that would have been so special to him, words that maybe he would have gone back and read many, many times over in the days and weeks and months to follow. Again, just hearing the, the heart of the Apostle Paul encouraging him to stay faithful, to stay involved, and to not give up no matter how difficult it may be. Not only that, we understand this from, from what we are told and from what the text would indicate, that when, Tim, that when Paul was writing this, he was doing so from prison. And this time it was not under house arrest where the situation was comfortable, where the situation was, was somewhat bearable, but, but the scripture seems to indicate that this time in prison he was most likely in a dungeon and he was in chains, and he was being treated like a criminal, someone that you really had to watch out for, somebody that you really had to be careful of. But we know this, that the reason that Paul was imprisoned is because he was a preacher of the gospel of Christ, and there were those who directed their hate toward the gospel, toward Paul. And so here is Paul writing this letter from prison in chains, and he is encouraging Timothy to just stay faithful, to just stay with it, 
to stay strong. Don't be discouraged. Stay engaged in the battle. And if you think about the context from which this letter is written, I think if you and I really think about it, it makes it even that much more special because in that situation, Paul could have lamented the situation that he was in. Paul could have lamented his circumstances. He could have said, Timothy, you need to be praying for me. You need to be mindful of me. It needs to be all about me. And that's not what Paul made this letter about. And so here is Paul in the midst of very trying circumstances, in the midst of very difficult days. Paul, knowing that his death was imminent, that he had far more days behind him than he had before him. And in the midst of this, He is trying to be an encouragement. Now, friends, that right there is a sermon that could be preached in and of itself. Because so many times, if we're honest, here's what we know. When we're going through the difficult times, we're not very good at encouraging other people. I mean, that's just the fact of the matter. So many times when we're going through difficult days, we're not very good at encouraging other people. And yet, here's Paul and, and his life is rough. His situation is dire. It's not anything that's going to, to turn out good in the days to come. Again, his death is imminent. He knows that. And yet, in spite of all this, he is pinning these words to Timothy. And he is saying, Timothy, stick with it, son. Don't give up. Keep it up. As wonderful as all that is, that is not what got my attention. What got my attention begins in verse number 16 of chapter 1, where Paul speaks of a man by the name of Onesiphorus. In verse number 16, Paul says this of 2 Timothy chapter 1. He said, The Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus. Now, we're going to jump around just a little bit this morning, but here is what some may wonder as they read verse number 16. Who is Onesiphorus? Because that is not a character in the scripture that we hear a lot about, correct? I would suspect that if I had come to you this morning before church, before Sunday school, and I said, hey, take just a minute and tell me everything you need or everything you know about Onesiphorus, I think most of you would say this, I don't need a minute to tell you everything that I know about him because I don't know anything about him, right? Uh, I said, you know, if I came to you and said, take a minute and tell me everything you know, you'd say, like, I don't know anything about this man. I don't remember who he is, where is he mentioned, where is he talked about. And the scripture doesn't spend a lot of time telling us anything about him. But what we do see in verse number 18 is this, is that obviously this is a man that Paul had developed some kind of a relationship with when Paul was in Ephesus. He says in verse number 18, the Lord, grant to, the Lord grant unto him that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day, and, and how many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus, thou knowest very well. So here is Paul writing to Timothy, and Onesiphorus is the one who is being discussed or talked about in these few short verses. And Paul says to Timothy, you know very well how in many things he, Onesiphorus, ministered unto me. And so here is something that we gather, and here is something that we can derive from verse number 18, is that Onesiphorus had a servant's heart in his relationship with Paul. Onesiphorus had sought to serve him and to minister to him and to be a blessing to him. 
Now that is a wonderful, wonderful thing as it relates to Paul's time in Ephesus. But friends, in Ephesus, Paul was free and Paul was able to move about and do what he wanted to do. And so while that is an encouragement and while that is a blessing, that is only a part of the story because of what is said in verse number 16. See, in verse number 16, he said, The Lord give or the Lord grant mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus. And so what Paul is saying is this, I'm asking God to show kindness or or graciousness or mercy unto Onesiphorus and his house for this reason. For he oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. For he oft refreshed me. What does it mean whenever Paul said that he did this oft? It means this, he did this often. He did this frequently. This was not just a one-time thing. This was something that Onesiphorus did more than once. It was a repeated act. It was something that he did often. And Paul said this, that he oft refreshed me. What does it mean whenever Paul says that he was refreshed by the actions of Onesiphorus? It means this. It means to restore or to strengthen or to renew. Here's what the scripture seems to indicate that in this imprisonment that Paul was dealing with, in the circumstances that Paul was going through right now, it would have been a trying and difficult time. I don't care how godly Paul was. I don't care how how close his walk with the Lord was. Nobody wants to find themselves in a situation like that. Would we agree with this? You know, Paul, as wonderful of a man as he was, as godly of a man as he was, there was never a time where Paul said, you know, I'd love to live out the days of my life, however many they may be. I'd love to live out the remainder of those days in prison in chains. Friends, that would have been discouraging. It would have been disheartening. It would have been overwhelming at times. It would have been something that that he would have struggled with, no doubt, because he was a person But what he said was this, is Onesiphorus, he often, he frequently, he repeatedly, many times over, he refreshed me. He was there to restore me. He was there to strengthen me. He was there to renew me. And he said, he was not ashamed of my chains. Think about this. Criminals are not people that good law-abiding citizens normally want to associate with, right? There's kind of a natural aversion on the part of an honest person when it comes to being close to a dishonest person or a criminal or a base sort of a person, right? You know, I just, I've, over the years, I've known a couple of people who have had a little bit of a past, a little bit of a record, and, and it's not always my greatest desire to get real close to them. Okay, never mind the fact that we know the innocency of the Apostle Paul. We know the uprightness of the Apostle Paul. In their day and in their environment, Paul was viewed by the government officials as a criminal, and so it would have been easy to try to distance yourself from Paul, his life, and everything he stood for. And so here is Onesiphorus, and what is he doing? He is saying this, 
Forget the chains. Forget the imprisonment. Forget the shame that might be placed upon Paul because of the situation that he is in. He is saying this, I am not ashamed to reach out to this one who I've had a relationship with. I'm not ashamed of the situation or the predicament he is in. And on many times or on many occasions, Paul said, Onesiphorus, he refreshed me. He encouraged me. He strengthened me. He restored me. He renewed me. He was what I needed. And he says in verse number 17, but when he was in Rome, and this is a part of the context, he said, when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found me. Why is that important? It's important for this reason. Onesiphorus didn't just go down to the county jail and say, hi, I'm here to see one of your prisoners, Paul. And then say, okay, well, yeah, just a minute, he's in cell 103. We'll have him out in just a moment. You can visit with him between the glass. That's not how it worked. Apparently, Paul was not an easy person to find here. Apparently, Paul was someplace where not everybody knew, and, and maybe if people did know, they didn't necessarily want him to have contact with the outside world. Guys, let's listen. They, they didn't want Paul to have contact with the outside world, and so it appears as though there was some difficulty to Paul being able to be found by Onesiphorus, but here is what he did, Paul said. He sought me out diligently until he found me. He put forth some effort. He put forth some effort. He put forth some energy. He was in Rome. He knew that that's where Paul was. And he thought to himself, apparently, I want to be an encouragement to Paul. So he put forth the effort. He put forth the energy. He found him. There is Paul in prison, in chains, something that maybe many people would have been ashamed of. And Paul writes to Timothy, I am praying that the Lord shows him mercy, that he shows him grace, that he shows him kindness, because here is what he did for me. He encouraged me over and over and over and over again. That says a lot, does it not? About the character, the person of Onesiphorus. A desire to serve, a desire to minister, a desire to encourage, even though it wasn't going to change the course of Paul's life, even though it wasn't going to change the ultimate outcome, even though he could not secure Paul's freedom with anything that he could do, he still had a desire to be an encouragement, to minister, to strengthen him, to renew him any way he could, even if it meant effort and energy and time on his part. Again, that says much about the character of Onesiphorus. Now, I don't know why Paul felt the need to include this in the letter to Timothy. I don't understand why he felt the need but there is a great challenge in this little statement and in this little clip of information that we're given. So as you think about Onesiphorus and his testimony and the things that Paul speaks of, this morning I want to ask you a question. I've said this so many times over the years, but I'm going to say it one more time. I, I'm going to ask you a question that I know the answer to. 
How many of us have ever found ourselves in the midst of difficult days, in the midst of difficult circumstances? We've all found ourselves there, right, at some point? I know we've never been in a dungeon. I know we've never been in prison. I I know we've never been shackled with chains. I understand that. But we have found ourselves, have we not, in the midst of difficult days, difficult circumstances, difficult times? We've found ourselves there, have we not? We certainly have. And many of us, maybe not all of us, I don't know what the numbers would be, but I think many of us would say something like this, that over the course of our lives, when we have been in situations like that, there are people who have come along who have tried to be an encouragement to us. They've tried to refresh us, have they not? I know that the, the, the specifics would be different based on when maybe things were happening. It may have been in the past that somebody just picked up the phone, gave you a call and said, Hey, I just want to check on you. I just wanted to call and visit with you and see how you're doing. Has there ever been that time when somebody's just made that phone call because they're trying to encourage you? What's well, happened? And when it's happened, here's what you know, it was an encouragement to you. At some point in your life, as, as communication has changed, I think most of us at some point, we've gotten some kind of an alert on our phone, and we've looked down to see that someone has texted us, and, and all they're doing is texting us, letting us know that they're praying for us, that they're mindful of us, that the situation that maybe we're in, maybe we've told them something about it, maybe they don't know a lot, but, but they just want us to know that they're praying for us. Isn't it amazing how encouraging that is to us? It's an encouragement to me whenever people will take time out of their schedules, out of their lives, out of their activities, when they will take the time to let me know that I was on their heart, that I was on their mind, and they're just trying to encourage me. That is something that has been a blessing to me over the years. Especially when I know they've got other things going on in their lives. They could be mindful of this. They could be mindful of that. They could be dealing with this. They could be involved in so many other things. But they took time out of their life to encourage me, to refresh me. What a blessing. What an encouragement. Well, here's Paul, and what is he doing? He's writing of how he's been blessed by the servant spirit of, of ministry of Onesiphorus and his life and, and how he's worked and, and, and striven to be that blessing to him. And Paul says, it was a blessing, and I want God to show him mercy for what he has done. We know that we've been blessed by similar actions of other people with a similar spirit. So then it brings me to this thought. How many of us this morning, if we had to admit, we would, we would have to say something like this, that sometimes we forget that people around us are hurting. Do we, do we ever lose sight of that sometimes? You know, we are conditioned this way, I think. Maybe not everyone, 
But, but most of us are conditioned to say when asked how we're doing, we're fine. How, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. Well, how are you doing? Well, I'm fine. I'm doing okay. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Okay, good. And, and let's just be honest. Sometimes when people admit that they're not fine, we make a mental note. Don't ask them how they're doing because they might tell you the truth. Because sometimes we don't want to know if they're not fine, correct? Like, oh, yeah, they'll tell you things aren't going good, so uh, let's stay away from them. I've been guilty of it. And so as we're kind of conditioned to tell everybody that we're fine, we kind of expect them to tell us that they're fine. And here's what we kind of do. We kind of get into this mindset, at least some of us do, we kind of get into this mindset where everything's just kind of okay and we lose sight of the fact that people all around us are hurting and going through difficult circumstances and difficult situations in life. Now, I know sometimes if a person won't let us know what's going on, it's impossible for us to know what's going on. I, I get that. I understand it. But, but what I'm saying is this, is, is sometimes we lose sight of the fact that we've got people in our own family who are hurting right now. They're not in prison. They're not bound by chains. We understand that, that their death doesn't seem to be imminent. We, we understand that. But, but have we ever lost sight of the fact that sometimes we've got family who are going through difficult circumstances, difficult situations, and, and what they really need is for someone to try to encourage them and refresh them and be a blessing to them? Have we ever been guilty of losing sight of that? Well, I've been guilty of it. We lose sight of the fact that sometimes we're working beside people who are going through very difficult circumstances. They've got things going on in their personal life. They've got things going on in their health, whatever it may be. And they are carrying a burden. And we might say, well, it's not like it's going to kill them. It doesn't matter if it's going to kill them or not. They're carrying a burden. But, but we, if we're not careful, we lose sight of that. Let's just be honest. Sometimes we lose sight of the fact that people we worship with are carrying burdens. We come to church and we all smile, we all nod, we all say we're okay, we all say we're doing fine. And, and yet we can tell that the countenance isn't what it used to be. We can tell that the spirit isn't what it once was. But hey, they said they're fine, so okay, I'm just going to go with they're fine. That way I don't have to really probe any deeper and go any deeper in the relationship. Hey, they said they're fine. It's not my problem. If they want to talk, they'll come to me. Oh, come on now. We lose sight of it sometimes. We lose sight of the fact that it's people in our family, people that we work with, people that we worship with. They are going through difficult times. And when we lose sight of that, you know what we lose sight of then? Our ability to possibly refresh them in the midst of their difficult days. You understand this, the, the, the correlation? If I lose sight of the fact that you might be struggling, then you know what I'll lose sight of? The ability that I have to try to be an encouragement to you. 
So if I tell myself, oh, they're okay, oh, they're fine, oh, they're doing okay, they're, they're not really struggling, if I'm always telling myself that they're okay, that you're okay, that this situation is okay, then I lose sight of the fact that I have an ability to be used by God to try to minister to people and be an encouragement to some. And it doesn't just happen to the pastors. It happens to everyone. If we're not careful, we lose sight of the fact that we can be an encouragement to others. You can be an encouragement to people who are going through difficult days. You can do it because the the truth of the matter is this, you don't have to be anyone special to be a blessing and encouragement to others. Onesiphorus, as best we can tell, was not a pastor. Best we can tell, he wasn't one of the elders in the church. He he wasn't one of the leaders of the church. He, He may have had some kind of a title, we don't know, but it's not anything that was overwhelming and amazing. And and look how awesome Onesiphorus was. I mean, he was a great man, it appears to be, but not because of some title that he was given. See, you and I, we have the ability to be a blessing. But it requires, as it did of Onesiphorus, it requires effort on our part. If you look at the Bible map from Ephesus to Rome, here's what you find. It is an amazing distance between those two cities. That in itself required a great measure of effort. The fact that Paul said, he sought me out very diligently and found me. He sought me out until he found me. That implies it took effort. Here's what many times stands between us being a blessing to someone else. It's not that maybe we're not aware of their problem, and it's not that we're not aware of the fact that maybe we could be an encouragement, but we just don't want to take the time. We just don't want to take the time. It will require us stepping away from what we want to do, what we want to accomplish, what what we've got on our plate. We just don't have time. That's not right. It's not right. And sometimes, you know, maybe, maybe not always, maybe this isn't your tendency. Sometimes it's not just that we lose sight of our ability to be an encouragement if we would realize that people are hurting. Sometimes it's not just the time issue. But sometimes we don't really go into it with the spirit or an attitude of being an encouragement. I want us to hear this. We go into it with the spirit of being a problem solver. Now think about this. They're hurting. We see it. They're going through a difficult time. We realize it. I'm going to take some time and I'm going to go over there and I'm going to visit with them. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell them what they need to do to make their situation better. I'm going to tell them what they need to change to make their situation better. And so it's not really going with the intent of serving and ministering and being an encouragement. We go with the intent of telling them what they need to change 
in order to change their circumstances or their situation. Have we ever been guilty of doing anything like that? Think about Onesiphorus. He didn't go to Paul and seek him out and find him and tell him, well, Paul, maybe if you hadn't said this, you wouldn't be in this situation. You know, Paul, if you hadn't offended this person, maybe you wouldn't have been here. You know, Paul, if you'd lighten up just a little bit and maybe apologize for, for what you said to the king or what you said to that government official, you know, you, you might get out of this. No, Onesiphorus didn't go there trying to fix anything. He just went trying to be a blessing and an encouragement. I think sometimes I need to be reminded, and I think some of you can identify with this, sometimes some of us need to be reminded that this person doesn't need to hear our solutions right now. They just need to talk. They just need to be able to talk without being afraid that you're going to pounce on something they said and you're going to confront them and say, well, see, that's the problem right there. That's the issue right there. I'm not saying that that's not ever needed, but, but I'm saying sometimes they just need to be able to talk and just be a real human being and just be a person expressing themselves and us just be sitting there saying, sorry. I'm sorry, I don't know what to say. You know that I can't change this. You know that I can't fix this. You know that, that, that I don't have the ability within myself. But I, I tell you, I just wanted to come by and I just wanted to be an encouragement to you. I just wanted to be a help to you. I just I want you to know that there is someone praying for you. Sometimes we don't minister in the way that we could because we're ready to solve all their problems and set them straight and then make everything better for them. Let's think about it. Here is Paul and what kind of a situation he's in. He's in a tough, tough, tough situation that cannot be changed. And what did Onesiphorus do? He came, he ministered, he served, he refreshed over and over and over again and wasn't ashamed and he left having been a blessing to Paul. I'm just saying to you and I, there are people out there who are hurting, and we need to be reminded of that. They're struggling. The smile is fake. The nod is insincere. We need to be reminded that sometimes people are hurting. And in those moments, we need to remember, I could be a blessing there. I, I could possibly be an encouragement. If, if the Lord so leads, it, it could be me who ministers to them. But that will take some time out of my schedule. And that will require some effort on my part. And if we do it, we need to go with the intent of just being an encouragement and not a fixer of problems. Can that be a challenge sometimes? You better believe it. But those are the types of Christians we need to be. Those are the types of believers that we need to be. That is a part of the Christian life that sometimes gets overlooked because it's not as glamorous, maybe it's not as visible, for whatever reasons, I don't know, but, but we need the reminder that sometimes 
I just need to be an encouragement to someone who is hurting and just be there for them. And I know I've touched on this before. I'm just going to say it one more time, and then we're about to wrap this up. But one of the, I don't know, one of the, one of the how do I want to say this? I, I want to be careful in how I say it. One motivating factor in why we ought to be this kind of a Christian is because of the principle of sowing and reaping that we can never get away from. You ever heard people say things like this? No one was there for me when I was going through my hard times. You ever heard people say anything like that? Well, as a pastor, you hear that from time to time. Nobody called me. Nobody texted me. Nobody came by to visit with me. Nobody did anything for me. Right. How often do you give out that kind of encouragement and that support and that friendship and try to refresh people? See, one of the reasons that I should be motivated, and, and not for selfish reasons, it's just a biblical principle, but one of the reasons I, that I ought to be motivated to be this kind of a believer that Onesiphorus was, was so that I can know that whenever I'm going through my difficult days, there will be someone there to be a blessing and encouragement to me. Again, this is just a, a friendly reminder. It's just one of those little Little dings, so to speak, in the Christian life. How are we doing in this? When it comes to being an encouragement, when it comes to being a blessing to those going through difficult days, how much of our own time are we willing to sacrifice to minister to them with no intentions of fixing or solving their problems? We just want to be a blessing. It's something that we need to be mindful of. Let's all bow our heads and stand for a word of prayer. Fathers, I come to you this morning, Lord. I know that every person in this room could easily and honestly suggest that they've got a lot going on. Their lives are full with so many things that are taking place. And, Lord, it is easy for us to use that as an excuse for overlooking the hurts and struggles that others are dealing with. And, God, I pray that you'd remind us this morning that there are people who are hurting, that we can be an encouragement to if we'll just take the time. And all we've got to be is there for the person. We don't have to fix anything. We don't have to change anything. We don't have to correct anything. We've just got to be there for them in those moments. God, would you help us to be those types of believers? And if we're not, I pray that you'd use this message to encourage us and to challenge us to do what we know we ought to do. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. As Lauren plays, you've got time to pray.